Hola, welcome to Dismantling Diet Culture. Fuck being calladita, the only Spanglish anti-diet podcast that teaches you from a sociological lens, feminism, and intuitive eating coaching to dismantle diet culture. I'm your host, Dr. Hortense Jimenez, and I am passionate about dismantling diet culture and helping you heal your relationship with food and your body. I'm a mother, daughter, comadre, amiga, community member, professor, health coach, and published author. On this show, I share my personal experience with diet culture, tips and strategies, and educational content to help you understand diet culture and systems of oppression so that you can have the tools to challenge diet culture. Current and future generations do not deserve to inherit your diet culture trauma, and I'm here to help you. If you're on a mission to hear your body and food traumas and embody your authentic self unapologetic, welcome to Dismantling Diet Culture. Fuck being calladita. Hola, bienvenidos a Dismantling Diet Culture. Fuck being calladita. This is Dr. Hortensia Jimenez. I am very excited. I'm thrilled to have such an amazing guest that I actually learned through another podcast um, by Las Doctoras. And um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you our wonderful guest. Her name is Dane Real. She, they is a queer, brown, unpartnered mother, traditional birth worker, sexual wellness educator, liberation activist, artist, and musician, and podcaster. <laughs> she takes great pleasure in helping people peel away the learned layers of sexual shame and connect to their creative erotic energy through vocal liberation, embodiment, mastery, and self-expression. Through the lens of ancestral medicine, decolonizing nonviolence, reproductive justice, and indigenous wisdom, Dani integrates her own spiritual and energetic gifts to help clients remember and connect to their authentic selves. Bienvenida, super excited to have you and share this space with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hortensia. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Gracias. And so I listened to Las Doctoras and I I heard you speak a lot about uh, my experiences you were talking about my my life in many ways, about the sexual oppression, about the shame. And I was like, I need to check her work. I, I And I loved your work. And it has been healing just watching you, how you show up on the different social media platforms and the work that you're doing also in the community. And I want the audience who's listening to learn your journey and what led you to do the work that you're doing. And, and it's so important. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Um, it's it's usually not until I have moments like this where I actually get to reflect on my story, you know, as a whole. Um, and I, excuse me, I do my best to document my life's work. Um, it's really important to me that when I'm not here anymore, that my story is told through my voice and not through someone else's perspective. And so um, I do a lot of documenting my words, whether that's using Twitter as a quick notepad or um, filming a lot. You know, I do a lot of recording, self-recording, recording of my loved ones, recording, you know, memories, um, whether that's voice journaling, like a voice audio recording or um, or video, you know. And my biggest problem in life right now is that there's just not enough storage for all this documentation, you know. So I'm, I'm really looking into like, how do journalists do it? How do they keep all their notes and all their works um, and organize all of that. So with that, thank you for encouraging me to document once again my story in a new way using this podcast as a platform. Um, as you mentioned, I am a traditional birth worker. I've been a birth worker for about 10 years, um, a little more. And that really started after I got pregnant with my daughter unexpectedly at the age of 21 in my fourth year of college. It was unexpected in the sense that I had not planned to become a parent at that age. Um, I I also didn't really know what I was doing in life. I I thought that I needed to follow this academic path of, you know, getting a degree and getting a good job and then maybe starting a family like the, you know, nuclear family relationship escalator model, you know. And um that is not what what happened for me, you know. I was I was in college. I grew up in the Catholic Church, so I went to um 12 years of Catholic school. 
and um and I'm grateful for the opportunity to attend private school um my parents worked really hard to put me through that education model and um you know we were on financial aid and and things like that but um but going to college really gave me the freedom that I desired my entire life to really explore my desires and my and what brought me pleasure and joy without fear without shame without guilt um, and all of those things I learned through the Catholic Church, right? I learned how to be fearful of a God who would send me to hell if I did something that they didn't approve of. I learned shame because I was taught that I could not be a sexual person, even though I was very sexual at a young age. Um, I was very sexually curious and just fascinated by the human body and and humans and social circles in general, you know, I was just fascinated by people. Um, and I learned guilt um, by, you know, being taught that, that I should be always giving and giving and giving without ever really giving to myself. And whenever I would give to myself, I would feel shame. I would feel guilt for doing that. And so when I went to college, um, here in Long Beach, I, I went to Cal State Long Beach, um, for four years. And during the, during that time, I could not figure out for the life of me what I wanted to do with my life, as many young people experience, you know, a lot of overwhelm, a lot of pressure to pick a lane and stick to it. And my brain was expanding at that time. So it was it was impossible for me to pick a lane. You know, I, I studied English and I was like, I want to be a writer. I studied psychology. I was like, I'm going to be a psychologist. That's it. You know, um, I had a really hard time in school. I, I know now that I, I have some... Um, learning challenges, you know, when it comes to like the standard model, um, definitely some neurodivergency and some ADHD symptoms. And so now it all makes sense why it was so hard for me in school. And, um, and so, you know, throughout my four years, I, I didn't really get anywhere. I was taking all these classes, spending all this money, but I wasn't anywhere near getting my degree because I was failing classes. Sometimes I wasn't even showing up. Sometimes I, you know, was hungover. Sometimes I, um, just had so much anxiety that I didn't want to show up for class. And so it was hard. And I remember um, going to this cliff in Palos Verdes here in, in the South Bay of California and praying to God, creator, spirit, whatever higher power I felt was holding me at that time. I prayed for a miracle. I prayed for something a sign to show me what my path in life was because I was lost I was lost and I was losing myself in that in that fear you know of like what's going to happen I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have any I had some mentors I had some leaders you know in my life that I I looked up to but none of them seemed like me you know none of them were, were relatable there a lot of them were like white professors, white women professors. Um, and, and so um, a couple months after that, I got pregnant unexpectedly with my daughter. And I, 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 to me, it was a miracle because I don't remember how it happened. <laughs> um, maybe it was too much alcohol or maybe it was just divine intervention, who knows. But, um, but I got pregnant and I said, okay, this is my sign. This is the, this is the way that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go in my life. And so that's how it all started. Um, I became a mother and got really fascinated with birth work. So. Wow. Wow. Muchisimas gracias for sharing, for being vulnerable and, and transparent in your journey. I think oftentimes when we are invited to share our, our story, um, we don't know sometimes how much we're going to say until we're in that, right? And I love how you started by saying I'm documenting my story, I'm documenting my life. And, you know, we are in Women's History Month, right? Women's History Month is all year. <laughs> no, no más el mes de marzo. And you sharing this is documenting that. Um, at the same time is also validating that our lived experiences are so important and they're so valid because we are not being represented in all these like academic textbooks or or even in the, in the conversations in our community like these conversations that me and you are having we can't have it with everyone or people in our life or friends or family because no nos van a entender nos van a juzgar right you mentioned um 
like three main institutions um like the family plays a big role in creating that guilt and shame around our bodies around everything shame for everything right and then also um i love how you talked about your educational experience because um so many students feel that they're not good enough and i put this in quotations right that they're like not academically um you know set to to continue education but it's the system there's so many leaks and thank you for talking about that and and putting it out there and you know we need to hold these institutions accountable because students learn differently and and students get lost you know not only are they navigating higher education but like their identity todo it, it's 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 a lot and then you mentioned religion you know another institution and you say, you know, growing up Catholic and like your relationship with God. So just for our audience to know that these are actually three of the main ones that we as women of color, Latinas, Latine, Chicanas, no sé, Mexicanas, como se identifiquen. Like, I think these are the three dominant ones and then the media, right? So I just kind of just wanted to um, highlight the role of these institutions, how they intersect, like how, we can't talk about shame and guilt without talking about the family and what talking about religion. So since they're interrelated and messy, how did you work through all that to be where you are? Like, I love how you embody your sexual self. It's like, platicanos, como lo hiciste? Well, I think that, um, what, what shifted for me was, like I said, becoming a parent, because not only was I responsible for a life now, but um, I was responsible for a life that had her own, her own uh, essence, you know, it, it wasn't like I was parenting myself again, which a lot of us think like, well, we become parents, you know, oh, we can do it differently, we can do it better than our parents did, you know, but what we don't realize is that our children are not us. They're their own person. They're their own spirit. And our job is not to control them or to, um, you know, coddle them either, but to really let them lead us and tell us who they are, you know, let them show us who they are and give us the space to guide them and protect them, you know, give them like a safe container to be who they are. <laughs> um, and that's not something I ever had. I was always told not to be who I was. I was always told I was too much. I was too overwhelming. I felt too much. Um, I expressed myself too drastically. And so um, watching my daughter blossom into the person that she is has really given me the strength to stay focused on these values that I have, right? Of like self-expression being... Um, a right of ours to be free in our self-expression, to be free of guilt and shame and fear, all the things that I mentioned, when we go out into the world, when we dress ourselves, when we speak, the words we use, the sound of our voices, the the tone, the, the speed even of which you speak, right? That is the way you express yourself. And so many of us were never given the space to do that. We were never given literally the time, right? People just didn't listen. They're like, oh, you're a kid. You don't know anything, whatever. Um, the space to like take our time to breathe when we're talking, you know, um, th those little things make a big difference in the way that we view ourselves. Because if you're a child who's always being cut off, who is not being shown respect, who is not being listened to, then you just grow up to be a, an adult who feels like their words don't matter and their narrative doesn't matter, and that they have nothing of value to contribute to a conversation. And so I um, I think about the way that I've chosen to raise my daughter, which is centering um, nonviolence, uh, first and foremost. So, um, you know, I was raised in a very violent home. I was raised around a lot of domestic violence. And a lot of um, that contributed to the fear I felt as a child, which related to me experiencing like anxiety at a very young age like I started nail biting at a very young age um something I still struggle with today um also like just the fear of like not knowing if your parent was going to come home um because I had a very emotionally unstable parents who after they would fight would be very unpredictable you know um and so the fear of like losing a parent was very real for me all my life. Um, 
And these are all things that I take into consideration now as I'm raising my own child and realizing that um, that sense of care for her is what really gives her an opportunity to see that like, she is important, you know, she's important. And if not to anyone else, to me, you know, and to herself, like she's building confidence in herself. Um, I'm sorry, I got really like, no, that's great. <laughs> no, 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 this is this is great. No, this is great. Um, I want to um, go back to and just say how important it is in allowing our children. Um, and we want to clarify in this space right now that, you know, mothering and motherhood doesn't necessarily have to be like birthing a child, but mothering in, in, in different relationships. So for those who are listening, you, if you don't have children, you still mother, you're still there for other people, right? But in this context of you with your daughter, I loved how you said, um, allowing your daughter to express herself, to get to know herself, to guide you as a parent, that's just so beautiful. How do we do that when we come from so much trauma, right? So acknowledging that the traumas that we have gone through as, as children and teenagers that that mark you, right? That that mark you and leave that that pain. How did you do that? Because maybe some parents, maybe they're gonna be parents eventually, or I don't know where they're at in their journey. But you make it sound like it was like así fue fácil, pero I'm sure it was hard. So how do you do this? And maybe that goes into the work that you do in your workshops and with your clients and reparenting and all this other work. Yeah. Um, a lot of trial and error, you know, I, I have made many mistakes as a parent, as a, a person in general, and I've always kind of learned from making mistakes a couple of times, not just once or twice, but a few, um, but also really building community. I think community has been at the heart of my growth and my expansion as a person. When I got pregnant with my daughter, the first thing I did was signed up for a childbirth class. And in that childbirth class, I met one of my mentors who was my teacher, Ana Paula from Beanie Birth, she was the one who trained me as a doula. She um, she and I connected because she was also a single parent, um, a young single parent. And I think she saw a lot of herself in me. And so she was like, come here and let me help you. Like, you know, and, and as I, after I gave birth, I had a very positive experience. And I was like, I want to teach more people about this. And so I got involved there and I took classes and I got into postpartum work and um, met a lot of mom friends, you know, and and also just like learned that the dynamic for me around parenting and child raising was not going to look like the standard, like I said, like cookie cutter version of that. It's for me, like I can, I call myself an unpartnered parent because I don't truly feel alone in my parenting. I'm, I don't feel single. Like I'm a single, you know, alone person. Like I, don't have a romantic partner. No, I don't raise my my daughter with a person in our home. It's just me and her. Um, but I do have a huge community and I have a beautiful family that helps me. You know, my mom lives right next door. Um, my nephew as well. He's a big part of our lives. Um, and I, my community as well. Like I have friends and family nearby that, you know, if I ever need help with my daughter or um, in general, need help with resources or or anything, you know, I know I have people I can call. And I think that to me has been the most ideal because like I said, growing up in a domestic violence household, sometimes it's harder when there are two parents in the house that don't get along. You know, sometimes it's easier when there's less emotional labor being done by the child when parents are not getting along. Yes, there are challenges financially, economically, um, as an unpartnered parent, but for me, I'd rather take those challenges than have to like, deal with the uh, mental load of like trying to raise someone raise a child with someone who doesn't truly understand what we're doing you know and doesn't or maybe doesn't agree with what feels right for for us as as you know the mother as a parent a primary a caregiver so um just really surrounding myself with like like-minded folks you know who were also raising their kids through the nonviolent parenting paradigm or like conscious parenting or gentle parenting you know like again just really letting the child take the lead and where that crosses over into my sexual wellness work is 
you know, really understanding like the, the sex education I needed as a young person who was learning my body, learning what pleasure felt like experimenting with other people and just trying to understand like, why does our body do this? Why do we have these like nerve endings and amazing, you know, erogenous zones that give us so much pleasure all over our bodies. But yet everyone in my life is telling me don't have sex. Don't do that. That's bad. You're going to, you're going to hell. you're sinner. Like it's like so confusing. Right. And so, um, as I got into the birth community, I realized like, this is a very sex positive community, right? Because hello, we're, we're dealing with babies. We're dealing with birth. We're dealing with, you know, bodily fluids and autonomy, uh, um, anatomy, I should say. And, um, it's, it really like took this layer of shame off of me in the sense that I felt as I became a childbirth educator, I felt like I could talk about anything. I don't, I don't shy away from calling our genitals their proper names, you know, I don't, and not only with my students, but with my daughter, even, you know, like it's, it's like basic sex, sex education in some cases that really set the tone for whether or not it's safe to talk about these things and to express ourselves in sexual ways. So yeah, I think just really getting involved in community and finding people that I could feel safe with is really at the heart of how I overcame those challenges. I love how you're centering community. We live in a Western society where individualism is one of the values right in this country and how this value for BIPOC queer folks gender binary non-conforming folks is is it is not attainable we need community and for those who feel lost or lonely um if you don't see community create community right you create that community and it's not easy but we need to really challenge that narrative of Yo puedo solo, <laughs> puedo ser todito solo, I don't need people's help. And sometimes when you do reach out for help, people expect something in return, you know? And I think that the way that you're really sharing this form of community is also healing, right? In your own journey and your life and the work that you're doing. So um, it's one of the ways to, to dismantle diet culture, like we can't do this alone, right? To um, heal and to really challenge systems of oppression, we need to do this in community. So thank you for centering on that. And for those who didn't have that experience, like you did in doing um, all this uh, birth work, how, how do, and I don't know if how much you can share about like how the work that you do with your clients and in your workshops that you facilitate, how do you, help them unlearn and shed some of those guilt and shame and oppression so that they bec can become uh, sexually free or freedom and whatever that may look like, right, for each individual. Yeah, I think it really starts with getting to know yourself, you know, outside of the layers of shame that we carry from our upbringing, from our conditioning, from our indoctrination, call it what you will, no matter what institutions we've been raised in, we take parts of what we've learned, whether like through someone saying this is right and this is wrong, or even just like nonverbal cues, right? Witnessing people doing things, mo people modeling behaviors that make us think, okay, this is, this is what you do. Um, so just like really analyzing those things and really getting to know yourself again. When I, when I first started um, my I guess like a reclamation journey, you know, of like reclaiming who I am outside of the, that conditioning, outside of those layers of shame. Who am I really at the heart? I am who I was before I learned shame. And the last time I was that person was probably when I was like five years old. You know, it was my younger self. It was little me who didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. She was, she knew she was a badass since she was born, you know? She wore whatever the fuck she wanted. She put on little shows. She was always dramatic, always like wanting to be center of attention. Love this. And and really brought a smile to people's faces, you know. But as as I got older, like it became triggering for people, you know. And then that's when they start to project onto you saying, no, don't do that. You don't do that. Um, also, I think there's a layer of like wanting to protect our children, right? And not wanting them to like seek the wrong kind of attention or 
you know, get hurt or be violated. And I totally understand that. But I think there's ways for us to do that without shaming our children, you know, so um, so I think just really like remembering who my inner child is, my inner niña, you know, and um, the first thing I, I would suggest doing for folks who are really trying to understand that, like really trying to connect with that part of themselves before they learn shame, before they learn fear and guilt is um, put together a little inner niña, inner, inner child altar, you know, and, and put up pictures of yourself if you have any of your younger self or start collecting things that your inner child likes. You know, I, I always loved like rocks and crystals and um, little trinkets, little things I could put in my pocket and, um, you know, like just, just really like putting together an image for yourself of who that person was and really trying to understand like what brings her joy, what brings them joy, what feels good to them. And, and once I started following that, everything started to make a little bit more sense. And I was, and then I started being able to be like, oh, that's not my thought. That's someone else's thought in my head. Like, why am I thinking that about myself right now? That's not even true, you know, or like, wait, why did I just say that? It just like comes out like word vomit, right? Sometimes I'll say something like horrible to my daughter. And I'm like, I don't even know why I said that. It was just like regurgitated from my upbringing. And that's real, you know? Um, and so, yeah, just like really getting in touch with the inner child. I think that's a really great way to start. And then I, I also think um, getting in touch with our voices is so important, you know? So one thing that I, I teach my clients is um, how to integrate voice journaling and really make it a, a weekly or daily practice to set aside time to sit with your phone and just talk into your voice app and your voice notes app and really share the deep, dark, real things that are alive for you, you know, and it's one thing to say it, you know, it's, it can be a little nerve wracking to say it out loud. It's also a great release to be able to say the thing that you've been wanting to say and you feel like nobody, you can't tell anyone, say it to yourself, say it to yourself and then go back and listen to it. Go back and listen to your own powerful voice. And the, the goal is to listen with compassion, to listen in a way where you're not like, oh, I hate the way I sound. Oh, like I sound so stupid, you know, like, no, My it's, a, it's a practice. Yeah, it's a practice. Um, but it, it helps because it helps build confidence in our story and our narrative. I love and, this. Yeah. Me encanta, um, like reconnecting to your inner niña and your inner child to embark in that journey and, and healing and because it's, it's messy, complicated and Kim Guerra from Taras Por Bonita says es un, it's a beautiful, this madre, it's not supposed to be easy right and the fact that you're saying you know having an altar and putting things that um can cuddle and nurture your inner niña and it actually it made me think like i love going to the beach i live in monterey county i'm about 25 minutes from from the beach and one of the things that helps me in my healing is to bike ride but also to just look for seashells and i actually bring them and i put them in altar and when you were saying like bring things i was like that was that's my inner niña and i i actually never identified it until now that you're saying that's me the adult version is doing other things but that's my inner niña bringing those seashells because she never went to the beach growing up so like right now this is like an aha moment for me it's like oh Ya estoy haciendo estas cosas and I'm actually naming them and, and releasing it and telling you that. And that is like really powerful. It's like, oh, I'm taking care of my inner niña. I just didn't know I was actually doing that. Sometimes we don't know, right? Until we hear other people. Y también what I really loved um, that you said was um, uh, your daughter, right? Like that we're always making, yeah, we not as mistakes. I don't know if you said mistakes, but it was, it's just like, it's a learning less. It's, we're constantly learning. Right. And, 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 and that journey of, of parenting and that we are so accustomed that we normalize and we say oppressive things to, to ourselves. And I loved how you said you, you're starting to shift that. I think that's a pivotal moment. Don't you think where you get to a, a um, an awareness of a, like, Okay, these are the oppressive voices. These are not my voices. So let me kind of quiet them down, tune them down, 
and then use these other like reaffirmations. So me encantó eso, the voice um, memoing that you said, I think that's amazing. And you know why I love that you said that? Because um, I've been actually resistant. I see a lot of content creators, influencers talk about journaling and I'm like, well, you know, I have formal education and that's the last thing I want to do actually write. I don't want to write anymore. Like, I don't want to journal. Like, I, I see the benefits, but then I would start being resistant. Like, pero si no tengo ganas, what if other people, you know, they have, they have their own issues or other things, trauma with writing. And that's part of the system too, of our Western culture that reflection should be about writing, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can also be listening to your voice and I actually used to do this back in, in the fall when my grandmother passed away. Um, I did a lot of bike riding and not safe, but I would take out my phone and I would cry because I was part of my healing and I would be uh, recording my voice and saying all these deep reflections that I was actually scared of. Like even one, I was scared that I was having these thoughts and then I released them and recorded them. And I'm like, oh shit, this is like, this is, this is hard shit. This is like, man, if, you know, this is, this is tough. This is hard. Like, hasta yo me sorprendía, but releasing it was already healing. But um, sharing it to the world was no, no, I'm obviously not ready. But I, I love that you said that, you know, thank you for that invitation. And I invite everyone else here to to embark on that if it's meditating, if it's writing or just recording your voice and then going back and listening so that you know and recognize that you're such a badass person that you we are powerful. We've we've been made to believe that our voices are weak, that we are invisible, but no, we're loud. <laughs> we're loud and we're clear. Yeah. <laughs> One of my my inner child's favorite things to do is to be loud as fuck and annoying too, <laughs> like making like annoying loud noises, like singing at the top of my lungs, you know, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like that is our nature. It's just the world that has taught us that we have to be quiet and we have to, you know, yeah. just be like submit to this like yes. idle life. And it's like, no, like we have so much energy. Um, Something I wanted to tell you about like your bike rides and your voice journaling is as I've been doing this more and more and also channeling my own like spiritual gifts and energetic gifts, I'm realizing that this is a, a source of practice for channeling. So that's why sometimes it feels scary to say the things you're saying, because it's, you're channeling your higher self. Wow. You're channeling the part of yourself that is true and that is real and that does not wear masks and does not hide from what is alive for them it's kind of scary to to know that you you're that that you have that like that the part of you that you know maybe it wasn't your inner child but maybe what you are now of all those experiences that you're like you're scared of your power you're scared of your voice you're scared of and i speak for myself uh, scared of these ideas and vision of what i see that perhaps other people may not see as clearly and i want to provide that clarity and direction it's, it's scary once you hear it from your ancestors. Like I, for me, it's like a higher calling. Is this in connection with my ancestors? Que dicen, Esto es lo que tienes que hacer. And here's here's a vision. And you're like, no, I want to hide. Yeah, it can be really scary to be faced with so much divinity, you know, um, because that's what it is. It's like a reminder that we are connected to the divine too. We are connected to spirit. We are connected to life force energy um it's just you know the shame the shame that we carry is a perfect tool to block us from remembering that you know from knowing that and that's why i love to work with the inner child because again she didn't know shame she 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 knew she had gifts she knew she was powerful she knew she could make things happen with the power of her own mind but the world took that away you know and so i'm that's why i called my journey a a reclamation journey because I'm it's not just about self-love anymore you know um because there's days that that's really hard to do you mm -hmm. know but um it, it definitely helps and I have been focusing a lot of my work around self-love and just exposing people to the idea that like it's okay to love yourself first it's okay to put yourself first and tell no, say no to people you know mm -hmm. um but even more than that it's like reclaiming what has always been true for me which is that I am a sexual being. I always have been. 
And the truth is that when I am experiencing my sexual energy, I am creating. I'm always creating. I'm a creative person. I never used to believe that. I, I never considered myself an artist or a musician or anything creative because I didn't produce art in the way that I saw it being created around me. But what I realized is like in documenting my journey, in in recording my voice, in speaking, you know, doing speaking engagements and expressing myself through movement and through song and dance, I am creating always. And it's because I'm tapping into my, my sexual energy now more than ever that all these ideas are just flowing out of me. And again, that's a, that's a form of channeling. You're channeling um, your yeah. higher self's ideas, messages, you know, energy, essence. Um, and when I say higher self, I mean the parts of ourself that are not weighed down by society's expectations, by other people's opinions, by, you know, culture and influences around us that keep us from being who we truly are. I love that. How did you get to that? Um, and this is, how did you get from, did you move away from, from the, the Catholic uh, institution, from the church? How was your uh, journey into ancestral knowledge and wisdom and in spirituality? Porque son cosas, if, I know that they can overlap, but for many people, they see them as, as two separate things. How was that for yeah. you? Would love to hear a little bit about that. Well, I, I definitely um, left the church. I It took me a long time. It took me a really long time because I I still craved like a sense of community and belonging and ritual. But, um, the, but the church was not a safe place for me as a queer person um, and also as a woman um, because I was... I was publicly shamed in church um, in, in my adulthood, like around age 30, 29, maybe for having a dress on and crossing my legs in church. I was shamed by an elder in the church who publicly called me out and said, Hey, can you not do that? That's disrespectful. And that was the final straw for me. I was like, fuck this place. Fuck all of you. Like I'm leaving. And, and like, I'm never coming back because I'm never <laughs> going to let anybody make me feel like that again for just mm -hmm. fucking being in my body. Right. you know, for just being a woman, for having long legs, for having skin on my bones, like that's <laughs> ridiculous. But um, once I finally like broke up with the church officially, um, I I did get more involved in ancestral medicine. And interestingly, I found that the, a lot of the roots of Catholicism are based on indigenous practices. You know, there's a reason that that uh, in church, when they have like special um, ceremonies, they bring out the copal and the frankincense and they do all the incense. They've learned that from our indigenous ancestors who were highly connected to spirit through these smoke practices. Right. And um, and it's interesting, too, because when I was in church experiencing that, I, I would smell the copal and I would have such a beautiful like moment with it. You know, I was connected to it. I was called to it. It did something to my to my biology. And I realize now it's because it was a connection to my ancestral medicine. It was a connection to my ancestral lineage. Um, when my daughter was about five or six, we joined this homeschooling co-op. I'm also a homeschooler um, or unschooler. And we joined this beautiful community here in Long Beach where I met this amazing maestra, Banquetsani, who um, is, goes by Indigimama on Instagram. And she became one of my best friends and teachers. And um, she is really the reason that I was able to connect to my ancestral lineage because my family is so far removed from our roots in Mexico. You know, we, we were, um, we assimilated, we were, we were like taught not to speak Spanish and to reject our culture and our heritage and to embrace Christianity and all their rituals and cultures. And so um, working with Banquetsani really, was the first step for me to to like remember my indigeneity and remember where I come from and the practices that my my ancestors have been practicing for years. So that was my first um, step. And and since then, I've just continued to learn, you know, from other elders, from other indigenous um, folks who are keeping the medicine alive and and helping those of us who are so you know far removed from our from our roots. I have so much gratitude um, in you sharing this because I, 
there's so many of us that that struggle with that for either it doesn't matter if you're u.s born first second generation latina latine latinex <laughs> or if you're an immigrant um like me um there's so many pressures to conform and to assimilate to these standards that that we have been gaslighted by society to disconnect us from our indigenous ancestry from that inherent wisdom that we have and when you said that you know you went through this process and you met this friend um you always knew that right i don't know what what words you use but it was something like the embodiment i don't know that's kind of how i'm interpreting like the embodiment of the ancestral wisdom like we all have that we just need to tap into it and I wonder if you can talk a little bit more and then I know we're soon to 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 finish, but how do how is that how does that feel in the body because you said remembrance ahí está, la memoria because you said we are disconnected right uh, from from our ancestors, we know our indigenous lineage right we know that we come from strong powerful badass <laughs> warriors right guerreras matriarchs lo sabemos so how do you embody that how does it feel like the whole embodiment was is a yes. mind spirit soul verdad <laughs> i love this question because as you're saying it i'm feeling it i'm i'm like getting the feeling and what it feels like is like a full body orgasm it feels like i'm shaking my body's <laughs> quivering i'm vibrating because i'm so excited by the thought of having access to this knowledge and what it feels like is like, it feels like a memory. It feels like deja vu where you're like, you know, lost and not sure what to believe and not sure what is real. And then all of a sudden you hear something or you learn something or you were exposed to something, whether it's a scent, like I said, with the copal mm -hmm. or a prayer, a song, like in it. Or just, hugging the tree. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Connecting to plants, yes, connecting to nature, to right? Mm -hmm. I, that's another thing my inner child loves is I mm -hmm. love to be in nature. I need it. It's part of my medicine. And so um you'll notice when you're doing those things you're you're connecting in those ways it just turns you on that's yes. that's really what it is it turns you on like the light in you comes on the the organs are are energized the Vibrate. blood is is flowing there's you might feel a little flushed you know you might get a little juicy like there's, <laughs> there's things happening because you're turned on because you are vibrating yes. to a frequency mm -hmm. that is at universe level you know what I mean it's mm -hmm. a universal frequency that is high it's a high yes. vibration yes. that our bodies almost can't even handle that's why they vibrate mm -hmm. that's why they're mm -hmm. they're feeling so much um stimulation because it's that like mind body spirit connection right yes. of like again channeling that energy so if you were if, like if I would have heard this I don't know, maybe five years ago, I would have been, what is she talking about? I don't get it. But like, I'm nodding my head. I'm like, yes, like, I, 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 I feel it. I know it. I know what you're talking about. But you know, and I, those who are listening, I thinking, ¿Qué onda? What, what are they talking about? This is crazy. You know why you may think that? Because we've been conditioned to disconnect from our bodies. So to wrap up, because I think that's what it is. It's a lot of disbelief. It's like, we need to begin to trust our bodies. That's part of embodiment. Listen to our body or body cues. And that's part of like settler colonialism también, like that disconnect, like we are so, that's why I, I'm here with dismantling diet culture, fuck being calladita, that we need to embody, we need to begin to trust our bodies. And how do we trust our bodies when our ancestors went through so much violence, or there's so much trauma, and we went through a lot of that too, right? So, you know, it's also like being aware, right, and sensitive that part of embodiment is not easy work tampoco. You know, how do you want to trust your body when you, when maybe it wasn't safe, or maybe your body wasn't respected, and your body went through all this, but ultimately it's like beginning to trust it and that healing, right? No say, I don't know if, the, all the, if this makes sense. <laughs> I don't even Absolutely. think I have a, I don't even know I have a question for you on that. It's like, no sé, que me quieras no, decir. No, no, <laughs> I totally understand. And I think what you're talking about is like, um, like allowing for us to feel this way, right? Like giving ourselves permission to feel this way. Um, I know that if, 
if we are, and I know this because I experienced it, like if we're carrying an immense amount of sexual shame, then anytime this pleasurable feeling comes, you know, this juiciness, this vibration, this, like, like I said, like this full body orgasm, like if we've always been taught, like, don't do that's bad. Don't do that. Then we try to shut it off, you know, and then we're not fully living into that pleasure that our bodies are capable of. Um, as somebody who's lived in survival mode a long time in my life, I've always been armored. I've always, you know, my, my fists are always clenched. My jaws tight. My eyebrows are, you know, angry. And those are signs in our bodies that we are, we're holding tension. And so one more tool I would give folks before we head out is, um, documenting, like filming yourself, looking at yourself, putting mirrors in your house, making sure that you can see what you look like. Because when you get to look at yourself, you get to see where you're holding tension. You get to see the areas of your body that maybe are not feeling comfortable. They're feeling closed. Our body tells us where we feel closed. When we're sitting like this, we're probably guarding our heart. We're guarding our wombs, you know, but when we're when our chest is out, oh, for those who are, are not here, I was like kind of curling over my womb, right? You know, but if we're, you, <laughs> right? Open up my we, chest. <laughs> yeah. If we open our chest, if we lower our shoulders away from our ears, if we drop our bellies, don't worry about sucking in your belly. None of that. No, we don't need to do that. Like we need to breathe, you know? So letting our bellies flop out and yeah. expand with every breath we take. That's how we learn how to be in our bodies to the point where we can feel when that pleasure strikes, we can feel when those downloads start and those connections and those remember those memories are starting to um, connect. Love that. Those are great action um, action steps to take uh, in terms of pleasure. Like, okay, to find to close off. Like, what do you suggest to people who are listening to connect to their sexual being, their bodies, like? Sexual pleasure, even I saw your video, your reel about the orange, like, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, that's true. Like you can find sexual pleasure in eating. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think like giving ourselves opportunities to seek pleasure in other, in like non-sexual ways. So go outside, touch a plant, you know, breathe it in, like really using your senses, right? It's a sensory experience. So touching it, observing the color, observing the smell, the shape, rubbing yourself on it, seeing what happens when your body connects to it energetically, right? Um, the reel you're talking about was, it was a grapefruit and it was a an embodiment or a pleasure exercise I did with my class last night where we just enjoyed like building intimacy by enjoying fruit together you know, and watching how each other like enjoyed it. And, and um, another way I would recommend that goes hand in hand with like the using of the voice is like allowing yourself to make pleasurable sounds. When I eat, if I like it, I'm like, mm, 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 mm. like, I'm just like <laughs> loving it up, you know, I do that. And I've been shamed for that. So <laughs> exactly, it. exactly. But it's, it's pleasure. It's joy. It's a genuine reaction response to you in like, activating pleasure and yes, so effortless yeah so just like paying attention to those moments you know when when maybe you experience pleasure throughout your day and maybe you express it somehow and then noticing like oh am I allowing myself to experience this and if I'm not why what is holding me back maybe it's a an old memory a past trauma a comment someone made but reframing is everything you know like like I said kind of using the things that I used to be told were bad about me. Now I'm reclaiming them and I'm reframing them into those are my superpowers. Me being told that I was dramatic all my life. That is my superpower. I am a performer. I am an artist. I express myself everywhere I go every, every day, every step I take. And I love that. So reframing like, your superpowers. Yeah. I love that Eve. Where can they find you? So folks can find me online. Um, you can find me on Instagram, but I'm really trying to move and migrate to other platforms. So my Instagram is at the multidimensional mommy. Mommy is spelled M-A-M-I. And then you can find me on YouTube at the same handle at the multidimensional mommy. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at underscore Dane Real, which is D-A-N-E-R-E-A-L. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. And your offerings, tell us your offerings. Let's say that they're just, they fell in love with you. They love this <laughs> conversation. And then like, I want to work with her. What are yeah. you, what are your offerings? 
Well, um, I you mentioned that I also have a podcast, which I hardly ever talk about, but I should talk about more, um, where you can find on any streaming site. Um, it's called The Embodiment Project. And that I, I would say is a really good way of like really getting to know me and my story and including my family. I, I have a couple episodes on there with my mom where we talk really in depth about our relationship and what we've been through as a, a family. And so um, definitely check that out. You can also check out my music. I have some music available on Spotify. I have a I have a single called Mother that I created with my band, The Corner House. And I have another single coming out this week, actually, um, with another collaboration called To Be Heard. It's a, a really great song that was written by my friends, um, A-W-P and Calamity. So you can check those out on Spotify. And then I have some original music coming out later this year, too. So that's wow. so exciting. Yeah, you're you're just full of surprises. You know, when I saw you on social media, um, cantando, bailando, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's an artist, too. She, you're just you're you have so many gifts and I am just so honored to to have met you and I hope to continue to create community with you and collaborate and for a community who's listening, please go ahead and support her work. I'll link all that information on the show notes. Muchísimas gracias. Es un placer y fue un honor conocerte un poco más. Muchas gracias por todo lo que haces. Thank you so much, Hortensia. I really appreciate the opportunity. Gracias. Thank you, everyone, um, for listening to Dismounting Diet Culture Fuck Being Calladita. Nos vemos until the next episode. Adios. Muchas gracias por acompañarme en Dismounting Diet Culture Fuck Being Calladita podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really like it. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free 30-minute coaching session. That's right. Así como escuchaste, one free session. Once you leave your review, you can screenshot it and email it to me and I'll send you a link to sign up. If you didn't like it, don't worry. Así está bien. Follow me on social media, on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Hortensia Jimenez.